was living in Chicago, living alone. That was like a big wealth milestone. I was in my own apartment for the first time. I had a job downtown. I like worked directly on the Chicago River. It was great. Life was good. I worked, had a good job working in marketing for an architecture firm, but I just felt like life wasn't any fun. And I saw people online who seemed like they were living to me at the time compared to how I felt I felt like they're living more than I am these people are right. traveling they're uh you know building their own businesses it looked like they were kind of doing it all and I thought all I'm doing is going to work working you know eight nine ten hours a day coming home watching Netflix and falling asleep but to me it was not the life that I felt like I had aspired to and I was afraid that if I stepped on that like conveyor belt it I was 23 at the time you know where's this gonna go and I became a digital nomad with really no idea what I was doing I had I found freelance writing work and I had never really traveled outside of the US and I bought a one-way ticket and I thought you know if they can, I can. That was a snippet of my conversation with Kayla Erig. Kayla is a data nomad, an entrepreneur through and through. And in this episode, uh, Kayla shares her experience from living a regular life as an employee in corporate America to taking a leap of faith to follow a dream of world travel and building a business while doing so. Uh, Kayla also shares about her early days as a data nomad, how to properly balance work and travel and how to enjoy the moment when you travel and dealing with the anxiety that comes as a result of the uncertainties of running a business and not having the cushion of a 9 to 5, which is something that a lot of us deal with, especially the nomads and we don't talk about enough. And as a published author, Kayla also shared with me how she landed a first book deal by simply sharing about the experience online and how a writing business went from being a side hustle to being the backbone of her online empire. And that story about landing a book deal is something that I found really fascinating and I think you should listen to as well. In this episode, we talked about love, we talked about traveling with a partner, uh, about living abroad long term, and we also briefly touched on the best destinations for new and aspiring data nomads. And I think this episode just has a perfect balance of personal business growth and lifestyle tips and i want you to watch till the very end because it's jam-packed with a lot of information that can help you uh, travel cheaply efficiently and just uh, be a better data nomad if you will and if you prefer to listen to this in audio format you can find this episode on the nomad entrepreneur podcast wherever you get your shows from and don't forget to subscribe if you're watching on youtube right now please do that i I really appreciate it and if you're listening to audio please follow the show on apple and spotify or anywhere that you get your podcast from the link is going to be in the description on youtube and also i'll put the links to kayla's social media and you can also get a copy of her book on amazon as well so without taking any more of your time let's dive into this episode with kayla herrig and i think you will love it and if you do don't forget to leave a feedback. Again, my name is Daniel, and let's dive right into it. All right. Hi, Kayla. How are you? Welcome to I'm, the podcast. I'm great. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Absolutely. So um, uh, we first reached out, uh, you, you know, reached out a few weeks ago, and I thought your story was fascinating, you know, being that you're a data nomad in that sense, even though I think you're based in Netherlands now. 
Yeah, I actually don't have a home base at the moment. I was living in the Netherlands for five years, but now uh, my husband and I are traveling full time. So we kind of came back to handle some paperwork. We moved out of our apartment five months ago and we've been in Eastern Europe and the US and Mexico. And then we came back to handle some administrative stuff. And now we're gonna head out <laughs> back to Eastern Europe actually. So uh, yeah, just drifting at the moment. That's 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 awesome. So uh, right now you're in the Netherlands. How do you how do you find it compared to say the rest of Europe? Because I hear like you know Dutch people can be a little bit cold and you know in the sense that it's such a way different environment than say the U.S. or Latin America. Oh yeah. Uh, actually, after spending two months in Mexico and coming back <laughs> here, I think the first day I thought no one smiles. <laughs> no one. No one smiles here, like in Latin America or even the U.S. Maybe there's like a Europeans. I tend to hear that they think Americans are kind of fake with their friendliness, <laughs> and you know maybe it's true. Uh, but I I won't lie. I still miss it. I still miss the smiles. The hey, how are you? The chit chats. Right. I'm a big chit chatter. So. Yeah, it's an adjustment, but it's nice here. It's raining now. Well, it's actually often raining. That's my only big yeah. complaint. <laughs> I actually just started to rain here as well. I'm looking at the window now, and it's like you know pouring down. But that's that's fine. It's soundproof, so we should be good. Um, <laughs> you you know, I did mention uh, that you know you've you're back. You think you know, you know people don't smile, people don't talk, and that that's something I truly miss about the United States as well. I was just you know, driving down the street yesterday, and a couple was you know having a run and they just like waved to me and like jesus christ I've, i missed it so much like what like what is going on so my friend asked me like do you know them i'm like no i don't like but this is like, apparently what people do around here now because being away for so long it's just like super weird when you get back and get getting back into like the american culture we, we just like wave and smile and chat it's so interesting. So that's that's something to me for sure. So tell me a little bit about your, uh, you know, your background, uh, pre uh, nomadic days. Uh, what was that like for you? Uh, take me back a few years before you started traveling. How that came about? Why travel in the first place? I was living in Chicago, living alone. That was like a big wealth milestone. I was in my own apartment for the first time. I had a job downtown. I like worked directly on the Chicago River um, wow. up, on, up on like in one of those like big historic buildings. It was great. Life was good. I worked, had a good job working in marketing for an architecture firm, but I just felt like life wasn't any fun, you know, and I kept ask, mm. I started asking people didn't like do you think life is supposed to be fun and everyone kind of had the same answer like it ought to be but it's just not that's not reality mm. and i saw people online who seemed like they were living to me at the time compared to how i felt i felt like they're living more than i am these people are right. traveling they're uh you know building their own businesses it looked like they were kind of doing it all and i thought all i'm doing is going to work working you know eight nine ten hours a day coming home watching netflix and falling asleep but to me it was not the life that i felt like i had aspired to and i was afraid that if i stepped on that like conveyor belt it i was 23 at the time you know where's this gonna go and i just start i don't know i kind of disappeared into the world of like social media like how people mm. were living like on social media people were living in their vans they were living on sailboats and right. it really inspired me to you know challenge what i thought was the only way to live which was to have a normal job 
and to, you know, live, live in an apartment or a home, you know, and I became a digital nomad with really no idea what I was doing. I had, I found freelance writing work and I had never really traveled outside of the U S and I bought a one-way ticket and I thought, you know, if they can, I can, right? Like I kept, that was my motto. If they could, I can. And that has taken me into now six years of being abroad. And I naturalized to the Netherlands. I actually lived here for five years and got Dutch citizenship and wrote a book on digital nomadism. Uh, It was the beginning of like a really, really colorful journey that I'm still, still on now. (laughs) That, that, that is such an interesting story because like all of the things that you've gone on to, uh, to do or achieve, you know, from uh, being someone who never like lived that life or even have any experience whatsoever and being able to go on and just like break all of the uh, invisible barriers and, you know, write a book, you know, do all of the digital nomad things like the blueprint digital nomad life, like having a remote job, starting a company and writing a book, all of these things. It's, um, it's so, it's so inspiring to hear. Now, uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, those early days moving outside of the U S living abroad for the first time. Uh, I'm pretty sure it must not have been as fun as you have imagined it to be, at least in a lot of people's cases they find it a little bit jarring, like, okay, this isn't what I signed up for. At least that's what I've heard in terms of like stories of people living abroad, being nomadic for the first time. What was that like for you? Yeah, I felt that as well. It was very jarring. And I, I for me, I would say that first month I went to Mexico, um, I, you know, I was a brand new digital nomad. I <laughs> felt, Classic. I experienced, I experienced digital nomadism kind of like falling off its pedestal because I had this realization that, you know, I'm the same person that I I was back mm. in Chicago. I worked all day still. Like there were days where I just worked at the hostel I was staying at and then I wouldn't leave until after dark. And I kind wow. of realized, you know, I'm like, I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm the common denominator, you know, travel <laughs> didn't solve my problem. So on top of all the jarring experiences and the culture shock that you have going abroad, I also was really surprised by the experience of how much I learned about myself. And I think travel is like very much a mirror. And mm. it makes you realize, you know, it, it just it, it confronts you with parts of yourself that maybe you never noticed, or maybe things that you were avoiding. Like, right. I, you know, I couldn't blame my surroundings anymore. If I wasn't a fun person like that was that was uh, a bigger shortcoming than my lack of vacation days you know mm, right yeah interesting I, I think the the story is the same in a lot of ways uh, especially I mean, we have some similarity there because my first time like ever trying out the nomadic lifestyle i bought a one would take it to mexico just flew yeah. out i'm like you know what this is the life now let's you know let's do this but I find myself just stuck in my Airbnb for, you know, days at a time. I wouldn't even go out and explore. And I'm like, okay, this is not it. This isn't what I saw on Instagram or the YouTube videos that I watched. I am missing something. There's a part of this puzzle that is still, you know, that is still off. And that was what I sought to fix. And in your case, it looked like you, you did fix it. You know, I'll, well, walk me through those initial steps of, you know, realizing that something had to change. Um, maybe you started like a business, a freelance business, I mean, freelance writing in your case. What was those initial days like with the, you know, the concepts and, you know, rebranding the whole thing to, to a situation where it afforded you more freedom and say some flexibility in your schedule and being able to, you know, now go on to, 
have more fun living the nomadic lifestyle? It was not a quick fix, an overnight fix. I, I, in Mexico, in that first week, I had the realization that, you know, I'm not having as much fun here as I necessarily <laughs> thought. And it was still yeah. the high, the high of I'm doing it. I'm living my dream, but realizing, mm. oh, I need to do my part too. Like it's 50% surroundings and 50% right. what I am bringing to the table every day. And it took me months, you know, I think that travel is actually something that some people have to get good at. Mm. And I wasn't good at, you know, being in the moment, like putting my work away and not thinking about it. It took yeah. a long time. And I, it's easy to for me to see how bad I was at it because I met my husband a month into my nomadic journey. And now wow, we, I, <laughs> yeah. And then I ended up moving to his country six months later. We got married the next year and now he's nomadic as well. And he, is very, very good at um, being in the moment. Like he, mm. he loves life and life loves him right back. And I feel like uh, life and I kind of struggle with each other sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I had to get good at it, you know? And I think it's okay to say that. It's okay to say mm. I'm working at enjoying the free time or, you know what I mean? You know, right, and it's maybe really, it's hard to understand for those like who haven't traveled yet and who want to, it's hard to imagine Absolutely. that you're, but uh, it, I don't know. It's kind of a skill. I mean, happiness is a skill. I I'm is. pretty sure. <laughs> and you uh, need to improve that in yourself. Right. Your and, and just to, I just want to, you know, double click on that a little bit because I totally like 100% agree with what you, you know, what you just said, but the way you've described it, because I don't think there's a perfect, there are perfect words to describe that feeling of not being in the moment enough. And you rightly said it's a skill because I catch myself in moments where I'm just like, I am, I, I know like for this moment, in this moment right now, I am definitely not maximizing it or enjoying it as much as I should. And knowing or coming to that realization and just like catching yourself in those moments, I think is the skill. Or yeah. is a part of the solution to the, you know, to the quote unquote problem. And I, I think over time, people just get better at it. And the ones who don't are the ones who burn out and go back home and just say, you know what? I throw in the towel. This lifestyle is not for me. And uh, for you, what was that process like? Say, okay, now you've realized, you've understood, or maybe is it just because you, you know, found someone who you were able to like feed off of their energy or was that, what was it like for you? I think learning that other people experience their time or, you know, you could experience life, but for me, it's like experiencing their day, like their day to day, mm. seeing how different some other people experience that is so impactful. In this case, I saw that from my husband, but of course from other people as well. Like you see other people, you meet so many people traveling. If you stay in hostels, right. this is particularly true, but even if you, uh, I think that you socializing on the road is also a bit of a skill, but <laughs> uh, the, the more people you meet, the more you see that other people are processing things very mm. differently and handling their their life very differently. And at that time, I was really obsessed with this quote from Annie Dillard, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Mm. And I saw how other people were spending their days very differently than I was. And that it was a very long, slow process for me. Well, that honestly right. took me years to get good at. Um, I've I didn't know how to stop thinking about work, you know, and I like yeah. whenever I was at the beach, I was thinking about my inbox. And whenever I was, was in my so inbox, <laughs> I was thinking about the beach. 
You know, I, I mean, the, this is so particularly true for me because, you know, especially when you uh, leave, uh, say, a stable job and, you know, you just like live the comfort of that, you know, netified paycheck and you just don't understand, don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from. Maybe you have limited savings and you're just looking at your runway and it's so short and you're just like, mm. Jesus Christ, what am I doing? Am I even doing the right thing? Like, of course I, I see other people doing this life and I know that you can derive some form of happiness from this, but am I also throwing my life away in a way? So this is one of the things that at least that I went through in those initial days where, you know, I'm laying at a beach and I'm feeling extremely guilty. Like, what am I doing? I mean, such that I later on came to a conclusion, like a premature conclusion, I should say, that, you know what? I don't enjoy the beaches. I don't enjoy going to the beach. I, I, I would always say that to myself, just to mask those, in, you know, those mm. internal conflicts that I had with myself. And one thing was, I mean, when I, I was in Puerto Vallarta I mean, at one time and I would have, you know, invites, and that was the first time I would stay in a hostel. Cause I, just, I just were like, you know what? I'm gonna go to Sailita and so, you know, stay in a hostel and meet people. And people, you know, like, oh, let's go, you know, watch the sunset and, you know, sit by the beach and do this. I'm just like, I don't know if I necessarily want to do that because I have client work to do and whatnot. And there was a guy from Colombia and he just said to me one day, like, why are you here? <laughs> mm. You know? And that was a profound moment for me because like, it was a question that really hit deep to me. Like, why are you here? And I just had to see for myself and figure it out and just be honest with myself. Why are you here? Something needs to change, but um, I got better eventually. Yeah, it is. You know, and coming from a guy who I would say by many means, you know, don't have the same opportunities that I do. You know, it, it, you know, it, it, it sounded. I mean, it sounded so particularly true in that moment. But you have gone on to, you know, do things, obviously, and you know, live in the Netherlands and whatnot. I mean, you you've written a book as well. Tell me about, you know, the idea for the book. What was the initial thought process like? Like writing a book is no small feat. What was that like for you? Yeah, I always thought I would write a book because I'm a freelance writer. I I love to write. Um, and of course, I think everyone who likes to write or does write thinks about, well, maybe someday a book, you know. Right. And I was sharing little snippets of the travel lifestyle on LinkedIn when uh, in our, a year ago, actually, somebody sent me a message that said, hey, I saw your content about being a digital nomad. Have you ever considered writing a book about it? Mm. Um, can we talk? And I thought it was like a scam or something. I immediately thought this person <laughs> is trying to sell me something. They're going to like offer me a coaching package and I wrote it for three weeks and then I finally followed up and here was a publishing house that wanted to extend a book deal offer which felt completely undeserved I felt really uh inequipped to in that I just I never thought Mm. about it I never thought I, I didn't wake up one day and think I am the best person in the world to write a book about digital nomadism. (laughs) But I, they extended the offer and I thought, well, my husband really kind of talked me into it. He said, um, you, uh, not many people have their dream offered to them. Wow. And who, if you turn that down, like, what are you doing? You know? And I thought, okay, you're right. And I love the topic so much. I can honestly say that I enjoyed, I wrote the book in six months and I enjoyed 85% of it. I 
enjoyed it so much. And I didn't make it about my experience alone mm. because I'm one person and it's, uh, I really made it about the movement. And I went back and I even found what I, I believe, and I, I say in the book, I'm, I'm almost positive, the first digital nomad who started traveling and working online in 1983. Wow. And I found digital nomads that spanned five decades. I found him in the 80s. I found a digital nomad in the 90s. Um, early 2000s, 2010s. And then, uh, you know, all of us wow. traveling now are traveling in the 2020s. And it really became a how-to book, but uh, it's like a love letter to the movement, telling mm. all these stories of people who found themselves in really unusual places uh, doing, right. you know, spectacular things because of this amazing light bulb moment that everyone had kind of independently. Now it's more of like a social light bulb moment. Like the pandemic was like mm. society having a light bulb moment that you can Absolutely. actually work online. But um, like Stephen K. Roberts in the 80s, he had that light bulb moment on his own. And then in the 90s, um, Rob, oh gosh, I'm forgetting his last name. Uh, he had that light bulb moment in the 90s. And then all these people in the two th early 2000s who weren't connected in any way. Mm. And they all thought, I can make this happen. And uh -huh. yeah, everyone did that's, for themselves. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, when you said you found someone from the 80s, like, uh, what was that like for them? Like, what did you, what was your biggest takeaway from your maybe conversation with this person from the 80s, 2000s, from this different generations? Give me one takeaway from this, you know, periods of times or what they took away that you learned in your, in your, in your process. Yeah, I interviewed Steven several times and uh, we kept in touch while I was writing. And um, he had a quote because he's also a writer. And on his okay. uh, website, he had a quote uh, that said, uh, you can't just dabble in passion. It's all or nothing. Mm. And I think that is the most profound, like such a profound way to approach life. And, you know, I he his journey started in 83 with the first ever portable computer. And what? yeah, it was in his one of his computers, maybe two of his computers. I think he told me it was two are now living in the computer science and his, history and technology museum. Okay, I, I'm butchering the, the name of that museum there <laughs> in a museum. That's fine. I, I mean, I would tell people to go, you know, pick up the book and, you know, go read it. But yeah, I just yes, wanted to okay. from a first person perspective, you know, but please go Yeah, on. it's just, sorry, I'm going on and on. It was just a very cool story. Um, and, you know, that signaled like the start of this kind of silent, the silently signaled the start of this, yeah, societal realization mm. that we can work. Those of us who want to can work from anywhere. And that's beautiful, yeah. whether it's like, you know, an island or, you know, your partner's bedside whenever they're ill yeah. or family, staying with family. It's about so much more than travel. It's about um, opportunity and what you offer yeah. yourself, kind of. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty interesting. I mean, writing a book is no small thing. You said you enjoyed 85 percent of it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that <laughs> those 15 percent must have been must have been something, huh? Oh, yeah, there were some chapters like the money chapter was very hard for me. I don't like to think about money very much. So that was hard. And um, yeah, that was the most challenging chapter was talking about money and how much yeah. do you need and how do you crush those numbers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like thinking about the numbers as well. I just want to you know have a lot of money and just travel and not think about, you know, how much your flight ticket costs. You know, I think we all want to do that. Uh, so, yes. you, <laughs> so you, you, you're, of course, you, I mean, you're a freelance writer, and that's how you've been able to, 
um, you know, you've built your life around it as your, you know, source of, you know, revenue and, you know, sustenance. And what was it like in the beginning? Uh, uh, you know, you started writing as a, you know, freelance, but that turned into something substantial. Uh, talk to me about, you know, that journey and, you know, how that came to be and that transitioning to maybe like a hobby writer to maybe like a serious writer who can now, you know, say like, you know what, I am a writer full time. It's not a lot of people get to say that. I mean, when you, if, even if you do say that, it'll think, okay, you're a writer. Okay, fine. I mean, you're probably starving or something. So yeah. <laughs> tell me about that a little bit. Uh, the starting point was taking any gig I could get, taking any mm -hmm. writing opportunity, no matter how poor of a fit it was or how, you know, unequipped was, I was like the subject matters were totally foreign. And now um, I get to be really picky. And um, I also have like regular contracts with really big companies, which is cool. Like HubSpot is, you know, I, so I can't believe I'm, I'm a writer for HubSpot now. And years ago, wow. I was learning from HubSpot a lot, uh, <laughs> taking their free courses. And I would say the biggest difference or the thing that really got me from that like A to Z point is writing for myself. I started a blog mm. called Writing From Nowhere. And I started writing on my own and publishing. And um, I was like trying to write for other publications for free just to practice. And I couldn't get people to publish my work. My emails were mm. never returned. And I thought, why am I waiting for someone to give me the opportunity that I I can just give myself. So right. I started writing for my own website and that was the biggest catalyst after you write, you know, 50,000 words for yourself, a hundred thousand words right. on your own website. It's kind of that 10,000 hours concept that a lot of people right. say, you know, you do something for 10,000 hours, you're going to be great at it. And Absolutely. I think there's a lot of truth to it. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, you went from, you know, writing a blog and now you say you write, you know, for Upspot. I mean, what was, at what point did you realize that you had had a big break? Can you remember precisely what that moment mm. was or those moments, maybe days or weeks or months where you're thinking, wow, maybe this you know, could become something or I can't believe how big this has gotten for me? Yeah, I had an editor that I wrote for tell me that um, – I was the best freelance writer she had ever worked with. And wow. I almost didn't believe it because I thought I'm just <laughs> doing what everybody else is doing. And I still to this day wonder if she just had bad luck with the unreliable freelance writing because I do not think I'm special. I just love mm. writing and I like making things. I don't think I have anything. I mean, I, I often over deliver. Maybe that's, I often deliver articles that are like, they're always longer than purchase. They always have more images. I really like mm. people when every article that a client opens to feel like, a present, you know, they think, wow, this yeah. is so nice. So I, I put a lot in and I know I do put more in than other people because I can, uh, I talk to other writers who write for the same companies <laughs> and they're not, you know, I spend so much more time and I do consider it to be, you know, sharpening my craft. That was kind of the light bulb. You know, I thought I'm just checking the boxes, but then being told that I was going above and I, I wanted to go above and beyond and hearing someone reflect that back to me. Mm. I thought, okay, this is like a, I can do I can do this on a larger scale here. I think, right, right, and uh, I mean that's 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 such a you know profound moment, especially when someone gives you that validation. Most of the time, we're we're so blind to 
our own excellence. I think there's a word for it. I think it's uh, you know proximity bias mm. or something like that, where you, you you're just too close to yourself or to other people that you can't notice either the good traits or their faults, and mm. you know you just have to zoom out a little bit and just you know, realize that. Uh, I think it happens to the best of us. And now I think you've been a full time writer for for how long now? Um, well, I guess I still, I, I do, I have kind of have like a side hustle to my writing that's um, Pinterest right. management, which ah, is kind of like a whole other topic. But I did that for four years and then I picked up writing. I guess I picked up writing very steadily two years ago. I got back two into it, ago. but I started writing 10 or 11 years ago. That was yeah. at the very beginning. I started writing for my university newspaper and then the local paper and then I wrote at every job I had. I wrote for the website and it was something I always did. And people would say, Hey, you're good at that. And <laughs> I would say if I could give like a piece of advice to my younger self, it would be listen whenever people tell you that you're good at something because hmm. people see, I love how you said that proximity bias. People can shine that light on, you know, your skills for you in a way right. that we can never do for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now you've been, I mean, you're for done right. I guess my question is like, how do you, you know, structure your days in such a way that, because what we discussed earlier about, you know, people still struggling to find balance between, you know, travel and work. It's so, it's ever present, especially in the digital nomad community. I've met so many people, you know, while <laughs> traveling in hostels, even as I've gotten better myself at being in the moment and just enjoying it. And I just don't think I have enough um, or my advice is good enough or maybe like my experience is somewhat uh, dissimilar to theirs that my advice wouldn't necessarily fit into their lifestyle. So it's just kind of, uh, it, it's just kind of nice to have like an aggregated like advice from different people in different fields. So this is just something I try to ask, uh, you know, everyone that I speak with, like, how do you do it? I mean, how do you do it? And you and you and you, so yeah. we can have sort of like, not just, you know, my own eco chambers, so everyone can just kind of like, yeah. you know, pitch in in one way or the other. And maybe at that point, you know, all of those ideas coalesce into something more substantial that can apply to a lot more people. So how do you structure your days? How are you able to, you know, be here and there in different um, time zones and be able to, you know, manage clients and have deliverables and whatnot? Uh, what is that like for you? I want to preface this by saying that it took me four years to get good at mm. this. Four like wow. I, that has to be a long time. Like that has to be longer <laughs> than average, but it took me four years of struggling to manage my workload and kind of ending up in these cycles of, Oh, I'm so free in, Oh my gosh, I'm being crushed by deadlines. This like mm. horrible roller coaster. But now I have learned what works for me, which is scheduling my, or out blocking out my weeks and saying, by the end of this week, I need to have these five things done and I can do them mm. in any, any time in any way. And if I want to take Monday through Thursday off to go explore, then I can do that as long as I'm completely confident that I have enough time to fit those tasks in. I right. couldn't do the day to day. I know a lot of people do that. Like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and do this task and I'm never going to, mm. I'm not going to be distracted. And for me, that just didn't work because it feels a little bit counterintuitive to the travel lifestyle where it's like a really nice day and you want to yeah. go out or you like bump into someone in Mexico where we were stayed the last month we were in Progreso, which is uh, this coastal town. And 
uh, every time we went to this one grocery store, we met other people, like other <laughs> expats or travelers, yeah. and we made plans with them. Like, we would literally go to the grocery store and have plans for dinner that night. It mm. felt hilarious. I don't know why it all something some magic about <laughs> that grocery <laughs> store and <laughs> i i couldn't possibly have controlled my day like i can't do that i can't say well i right. said i would do this tonight and even though it's not due for a week i'm gonna can't i'm gonna do it anyway so i need that flexibility and to go with the flow like for me the flow is very important i know it's not mm. important for everyone and some people say you can't follow the flow like that's kind of my husband's thing he's more like decide and execute I am yeah. not that person. So seeing how you Likewise. work. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's really important because you know, for me, very similar to yours, I, I th the first time that I really, you know, thought, you know what, I'm just going to say F it. I'm just, you know, going to drop it. I don't care whatever happens afterwards. I was at a restaurant in Albania, actually in Tirana, and I was standing in line because I was myself, I'd been in my Airbnb for days and I just, you know what, I'm just going to take a walk, go to a restaurant, go eat some good food. And I was standing in line because it's like the most popular restaurant in town, pretty much. You Google it, it's the first one that comes up. And okay. I just stood in line and it was this, yeah, there was this guy behind me and it was apparently standing alone as well. So I got a table for two where I say it was just me. And I just turned around to him, like, do you want to join? We can share a table if you want. And it was like, yeah, absolutely. What's your name? We shared our names. And, oh, are you also traveling? Yeah, I'm traveling. We sat down, and the next week, I mean, a few days after that, we rented a car, and we drove for the next one week just traveling around Albania, the Albanian coast, something that I would never have done. I mean, uh. a few weeks prior, I would just be like, it's so so scared to just leave my laptop behind and just go on a trip and just uh, F off. Like, <laughs> you know, like a lot of people would say. So I think, you know, getting into the flow is not something like just following the flow is not something that comes naturally to a lot of people, including myself. And, I mean, I just learned to um, learn to enjoy the moments. And that's not something that is easy to, you know, to adapt, you know, to one's lifestyle if it's not already there. And you've spoken a lot about I know your partner, I know a lot of people, nomadic, you know, couple who travel a lot. I mean, you got into your relationship, I guess, was, you said one month after you started traveling. And, you know, to some, they would think, oh, that's too early. I just, you know, want to travel a little bit. I just want to enjoy and see what's out there. Uh, what was the quick decision like for you? And why did you make that, if I may ask? Well, you know, okay, a quote, uh, I kind of, I have like quotes that I really, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big <laughs> quote person. Quotes. <laughs> uh, there's a quote from Bill Murray that was also became kind of a, a bit of a motto around that time of my life, which is be available for life to happen. Mm. And I had to tell myself that meeting my husband, you know, uh, we met, yeah, a month into traveling and we were just friends, but we traveled south from, so we met in Guatemala and we traveled south overland to Panama, so all through central. And um, I was actually going back to the U.S and um yeah we decided to try to make it work so uh um then i bought a ticket to colombia and met up with him there and then yeah i mean you just know a lot of people uh there's a lot of romance if you meet if you're in a hostel you will hear you will witness you will see it happening see the, the romance travel romance is a bit intense more intense than normal romance but yes. um yeah, I had to be available for life to happen. Yeah. I didn't expect to move to the Netherlands or, um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't uh, and I'm just going to probe a little bit. 
when you said, you know, you decided to make it work, was it like a conversation or just like, you know, we just, you know, a lot of people, oh, we just knew we wanted to make it work. Did you have a conversation about this or was it like too hard speaking, you know, to each other? Well, we thought we were saying goodbye forever. And, you know, that was the moment where we, yeah, shared that we had stronger feelings for each other than just friends. Mm. And um, it was, yeah, I mean, you have to make a lot of hard decisions, a, a lot of decisions, I will say, whenever you're on the road. Like, if you're nomadic and you don't have a home base, you're always deciding, where am I going to go next? How long am I going right. to stay? Where am I going to stay? What am I going to eat? You're deciding all of this. And um, it, that also bleeds into your relationships. I made friends. Do I want to travel with them? You know, um, right, could this absolutely. person be someone special in my life? And I don't know how to, uh, I don't know how that translates for other people in terms of travel romance. I haven't met many other people who have, <laughs> you know, married their uh, travel. Yeah. Travel yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to someone in the last episode, um, Atalia. I mean, she had almost very similar experience. She was traveling, met her now husband and they've been married for, for a couple of years now. So I don't meet a lot, but when I do meet a lot, I like to, you know, learn as much as I can from that experience. You know, as a, as a single man, maybe there's something I can, you know, learn there. Um, cause we all struggle with these feelings and, you know, those, these moments and you just don't know because you don't know if it's, if it's actually a thing. But now that I know it's a thing, maybe, uh, we'll see, we'll see some, you know, some changes here, but we don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> but with, you know, you've, you've traveled together. Um, I've seen, you know, quite a bit, um, of, uh, relationship stories and people saying it's hard you know, traveling with a partner you know you get to know each other intensely over like a very short period of time they say if you want to know someone travel with them and you will yes. learn a lot <laughs> is that the case for you and what was the learning like what did you learn that you know, you, cause obviously you're still together now. That means you must have accepted some things about each other and just learned so much about each other. Talk to me about that a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty sure people are interested in this kind of things. Okay. I don't think I've ever talked about this <laughs> publicly before. Um, I've never been asked about the relation, my relationship. Well, uh, yeah, whenever you're traveling, you are together all the time. Like I actually had to justify this on my immigration paperwork because uh, whenever I moved to the Netherlands, I was sponsored on the partnership visa. And you have to explain that you're a real couple because I mm. guess every country is just used with people trying to pretend Absolutely. to be couples. And, you know, we hadn't been together. We'd only been together for, we only known each other a few months. And I wrote on there, we have been together every moment since we met we eat together and you know and, and even in hostels whenever we were you know just friends you know they are sleeping in the bunk above you in the hostel you are together right. constantly and to spend uh i think we spent about i think five or six months together non-stop and to never get sick of being together i mean that was yeah it wasn't hard for me it wasn't a question i was really aware that this is yeah this is it and even moving to the netherlands he went back to teaching he was a high school teacher and uh, we didn't like being apart. You know, we wanted mm. to spend, we were used to being together. And yeah. I told him, I'm going to start an online business. And because I was still freelancing kind of as just a means to an end. And I told him, I'm going to make it a real business. And then you can quit teaching and we can spend all of our time together running the business. Mm. And I did two months, two years after that, he, I, he retired from teaching and he joined the business full time. And now we're, wow. we've, I've never once gotten sick of Berrien. No, it's not been one day in the last six years. So, uh, wow. 
Yeah, that is, I don't know that if that's really a sweet. good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's everything and more. Um, you know, that's that's a very thoughtful response. And I mean, I just, uh, I mean, I, I'm glad that you know you found your person and you have that kind of relationship. It's what uh, I believe you know most people aspire to. And uh, so now you've been you know traveling around for a while. Are you now like nomadic? Is it? something you plan into your lives like how do you uh, you know plan that lifestyle out because sometimes uh you know people just want some time to settle down like the faith that i'm in right now i mean i've been in the u.s for almost two months and i plan to be here for another month maybe two and just see how things go um how do you uh, how do you plan that out you know as a couple you know, sometimes you just want to slow down a little bit you know some people like to go fast some people like to go slow what's what's that like for for you guys um, I think, well, right now we're in a, a travel, a, a season of travel where we had a home base in the Netherlands and we traveled often. I mean, we were abroad three months out of the year. I think that's probably, you know, we still had our home base cause I was required to for my immigration process. So we had our apartment, we had this one room apartment, uh, that we ran our business from and saved as much money as we could to travel in the, in our free time. But yeah, now we're fully nomadic and I, life just goes through seasons. You know, that was a season of like growing herbs and getting book collections and you know my very young musician playing guitar at home and now we're in a season mm -hmm. of travel and whenever we feel like we need to change we adjust the speed i think that's kind of the big thing if you're fully nomadic you can right. say i'm done i need a, I need a home base i need a couch that's mine i need to know where i'm going to the grocery store every day Absolutely. and uh for us that comes down to speed you know <laughs> like we we often stay places for a month at a time and that doesn't feel chaotic or hectic or busy it feels mm. like by the end of that month it feels like three months you yeah. know because it's still new you're still traveling you're like you know like in mexico we were still experiencing something new every every day whenever we went to the grocery store we would take a different road back or try to turn down an alley that we hadn't been down before because we wanted to always be experiencing something new but you kind of feel have that hometown feeling everywhere of oh we've been living here for a while now even if it's right. been a week or two you settle in so quickly so i think the speed is the most powerful thing you have to whenever you're feeling worn out or un, over or under stimulated adjust the speed at which you travel i think it can change everything absolutely absolutely i mean you said that very accurately and uh yeah i think when you you know when you travel you know that that often you you gotta have some skill i would say to uh to put your life in you know check either from the financial standpoint mental health physical health uh, some of those things. I mean, for you, what would you say some of the, uh, some of the things that you practice that helps you, uh, keep yourself healthy either mentally or physically or in your, you know, romantic relationship? What are some of the things that you would <clears throat> just, uh, they can touch on for people who are in, the, in any of these phases of their lives or trying to look after any of these uh, aspects of their lives? I think gratitude is really important because if you're not happy at home and then you're traveling, you're going to find another reason to eventually not be happy. Right. And, um, you know, some, some aspect about your current situation you really aspired for, like you were mm. dying to move into this apartment. And then one yes. day, you know, you realize you haven't enjoyed, you haven't thought about how lucky, you know, wow, it's great to be here <laughs> in a long time. So I think building up a muscle of 
gratitude and consciousness, always being in a constant feedback loop with yourself, not just saying I'm like, I'm, I hate, I'm in a bad mood or I'm not feeling this. I'm not, you know, I want to go somewhere else. You have to reflect on why are you feeling this way and what do you need? And, um, I think that's the only way to really live this lifestyle, to be really aware. You have to tune into yourself a lot more than I would say kind of in the normal day-to-day life because the monotony of like going to work every day in the same place, driving in the same roads in the same car, you know, you are that routine. Whenever your routine is removed, you are left with your emotions a lot in like a loud way. So listen to them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like how you say that, I mean, when your routine is removed, like your lack of emotions, and that's so true. Like, I've never thought about it in that sense, because you find yourself, especially when you're on the road traveling and doing all the things, you find yourself like having moments of self-reflection a lot. Like now you don't have like your regular bills that you used to have, your apartment is gone, your car is gone, you have, you know, car note insurance and all the things. What have you got left? Okay, to work. And your personal time, either you spend it working or you're just like laying on the couch, you know, just exploring places, you're back, you sit on the couch again by yourself, maybe with some, some friends, you've had a few drinks, you retire to your apartment and you just, you just have time to think a lot about what really matters, your values, like what do you want to prioritize in your life? And I think, I, I mean, I just want to need to highlight that because I've never thought about it in a sense because you have those intense moments of, you know, just straight up just thinking and thinking. And I think that's what really happens because you're just left with yourself and, and, and your thoughts and, and whatnot. I think, yeah, that's, 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 that's really good. That's, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I just uh, want to talk about like, I mean, just generally it, the, the, the digital nomad uh, movement, because I'm seeing a lot of, um, it, of course it's growing bigger than ever. And at the same time, You've had some, I would say, some nomad, some veteran nomads like yourself and some other people that I've spoken with, you know, just kind of thinking it's at a point where uh, maybe it's plateaued a little bit. Uh, I just want to get your general thoughts on the digital nomad movement itself. Uh, where do you think it's at right now? And uh, looking into the future, do you think it's like the future of of living and the future of work? Do you think people will be doing this for a long time? I just want to get your general thoughts and ideas on the movement itself. I think that the movement is here to stay forever, but so many people tried it after the pandemic. They, people who maybe would have not otherwise gone for a nomadic, you know, experience. Mm. They thought, well, I'm working online now. You know, my role is fully remote now permanently. So I'm going to go. And I think a lot of people were unprepared to be digital nomads because they only saw the positives. And it's a... it's hard to look at social media and to know how much is reality. And what's like, I always think of it like everything that you see is true. And I think that the lifestyle is even better than it's pictured online. But wow. what's not pictured is like being alone in a hospital room right. in a foreign country and missing a funeral back home and all of these life, you know, it's the same like road. It's life's same potholed highway. You are going to yeah. have all the same problems, but now you're going to have them in another country. And I think that the highs are incredibly high, but the lows are also lower because getting sick in a different country is worse than getting sick in your own country. Absolutely. And being lonely in a country where you don't speak the language or have any friends is worse than being lonely 
family at home. So it's that intensity that I think makes people, um, I think people aren't prepared. So I'm not surprised whenever I read these headlines, sometimes it's kind of like snappy, you know, (laughs) clickbait headlines of I became a digital nomad for six months and it ruined my life or I hated it. (laughs) And I read it and I think, yeah, you were probably really, really, you were really unprepared, I think. And that's why for me in the book, it was really important to be really honest about the highs and the lows. Because a lot of people talk about leaving, you know, quotes, normal life behind, like Mm -hmm. normal life is garbage and let's throw it away and go be travelers. And in reality, whenever normal life is a good thing and traveling is a good thing. And whenever you choose travel over normal life, you lose as well. It's not all positives, you know, like, you lose the ability to go to the doc- a doctor that you are, are, can fluently speak to and you lose a lot of things. So Absolutely. it's not fair. The, the, you know, the image is not complete. Uh, yeah, absolutely. See. You know, it's almost like we're trying to make like, it's like we're making unfair comparisons between our normal life and life on the road. And I was reading an article a few months ago where someone I think it was a TikTok and there was this uh, lady who, no, I think it was a Twitter thread. It was a Twitter thread. And okay. she said something along the lines of, um, I, I don't get how people travel this long or this much and, you know, paint all the glamorous aspects of it. Like I just tried traveling for two weeks and I can't believe people work from a 15 inch MacBook Pro. Like I could never do that. I'm like, okay, yeah, because you've worked... 10 years in uh, a regular office space with like three monitors. That's what your work requires. And now you're on the road. Of course, you not, you shouldn't expect that you're going to have the same flexibility or the same convenience that you will on a, on, on three monitors on a 13 inch magnet pro. So that's not necessarily a, a con of traveling. It's just a, a lifestyle adjustment that you have to make. You know, and yes. I see stuff like this, you know, different examples of, you know, things like that. Like, oh, uh, Airbnbs don't have utensils and things like that. Yeah, of course, if you yeah. want to leave it at Airbnb, plan to make some adjustments or go to the store and get yours if you're planning to stay for three months or something like that. So I think it's yeah. the unfair adjustment. I mean, unfair uh, comparison that really gets me like in my feelings a little bit like no that's that's not fair like you can't you can't mm-hmm. say that you can't make this comparisons you know and and i'm glad you mentioned that as well so it's uh what i just tell people like i have a youtube channel I mean, on my youtube channel i talk a lot about the nomadic lifestyle and tips like this and i think it's really important for people to understand that you cannot make like it, it's like comparing apples and 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 oranges you know it's it doesn't work yes. that way um so yeah. you know so that's 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 just that uh, i mean is is there anything else you'd like to you know share about uh, i i guess your uh, one thing i like to talk about as well is uh, your you know favorite countries some people want to start the nomadic lifestyle and uh, then looking at places to start, do you have any tips or ideas on uh, beginner nomad locations? And if you're a little mm. bit advanced, where you should go? I think these are some of the fun, interesting things that people want to learn about when they listen to podcasts or read blogs. So what are your top three, I would say, destinations for anyone who's starting out and for anyone who's looking for, you know, a different type of life, maybe like from Eastern Europe to Latin America, what are the unique uh, uniqueness of these places? Just go on. 
Wow, that's a hard question. I, <laughs> I guess know. before I list specific questions, I would say that like the best thing you can do, I think, is find contrast to mm. what you have now. Like contrast, like you can't go from tropical island to tropical island and still notice how warm the water is <laughs> and how blue the water is. You know, you get numb to it, but then like whenever you fly in, you're like, wow, it's so bright. Those flowers right. on the sidewalk, you see everything because it's contrasting to what you normally see. So I would say contrast is your best friend in terms of like speed. Like, is it like is New York versus, you know, a sleepy Greek island? Right. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, and climates and so th that's what i i would that's my big two cents about choosing a destination but i love mexico and guatemala um those are really nice countries to be in and um there's so much in europe um i can't even think about where it has been a favorite but greece <laughs> is really nice to work in spain um in eastern europe yeah i've only spent uh like about a month in eastern europe so far and i'm excited to go back we were there in may and then we're going back um in two weeks we're going to start traveling that way again so uh yeah that's a really really hard question i wish yeah. i had thought about it before we talked <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean because i love to ask this question because like i uh, i love to make you know draw comparisons between these places and i get a lot of questions about oh what is it like in albania what is it like in georgia i spend a lot of time mm. in mexico like should i go to mexico or this or that i'm just like I mean, I don't know. It's it depends on what you like and what you consider mm. as uh, your ideal scenario or ideal weather or ideal food or your uh, how adapt how, how 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 well you can adapt to new languages and new cultures. You know, so I I just leave that um leave that conversation open ended, uh, just like you've done. So I I wasn't expecting like a hard line answer yeah, like good. this is where you should go for this or that. It's just more of um what do you enjoy? What kinds of you know food do you enjoy? What kind of people do you like to interact with? So uh that's that's interesting. So uh tell just tell the audience about you know your book, you know, where they can get it, how they can connect with you and uh, if there's anything you'd like to, you know, fill in there for people to to know about you. Yeah, well, my book is called How to Be a Digital Nomad, Build a Successful Career While Traveling the World. And that is released January 3rd in most of the world. And it's January 30th in North America. And you can find it on and a lot of big book retail retailers on the, in their online shops, Target, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, they have it all online. And yeah, in person, we'll see where it shows up, <laughs> where the book will appear on shelves. I don't have that information yet. But I would love to talk to anyone who's interested. It's a very, it's a how-to step-by-step guide to make it really feel very approachable and kind of demystify the lifestyle. Take some of the like mystique and this, take some of the mystery out of it in a good way that you feel like you're confidently choosing something that's right for you instead of just taking a guess at something that feels cool and adventurous. But yeah, yeah if anyone wants to talk, they can email me at Kayla at writingfromnowhere.com. I'm happy to talk to anyone about any aspect of the lifestyle and yeah it would be really great to connect yeah that's awesome so i will add all that information the show notes as well i love to pick up books i was at the airport like two two three weeks ago and i just found this book from i think lonely planet on you know the data nomad handbook or something like that even though it's mm. what i would consider like information that already know i was reading through it i'm like oh this is one of the same things i talk about in my youtube channel maybe like 
word for word sometimes. And I, I would love to, you know, I just love to pick up books about it, you know, just learn different perspectives, um, you know, how people view that lifestyle. So go check it out wherever you can get it from. I think it's on Amazon right now. I have it open in my tab and, yes, you know, you can is. have it in paperback and hardcover, whatever you, um, whatever you want. So yeah, thanks Kayla for, Jumping on the podcast, it's uh, early morning, still early morning for me. I, I know it's a little bit late where you are right now. Is it? Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. It was so fun talking. Yeah, absolutely. I will leave all the information in the show notes, and hopefully I can you know bring you back at some point. Or I'm heading down Mexico in, I guess, a week for Dia de los Muertos. I, it's, uh, it's a huge uh, celebration. Will you be around? there at that time no i'm back in europe actually so oh 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 yeah you said that i for some reason i thought that's all right my mind is also still (laughs) (laughs) i love mexico so much it's like one of my favorite favorite places and i i i i go i spent last year i was there for like six months uh, out of mm, the year. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Well, thanks again for coming. My regards to your husband. Hopefully we can have you both oh, on the podcast you. soon at some point. <laughs> oh, I would love that. He would maybe love that. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's He's fine. shy. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, we'll just have it audio we'll only and not video. <laughs> cool. I'd love that. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Kayla Herrig. Again, if you did, I would greatly appreciate your feedback. It really helps this channel, this podcast a lot. And if you're listening on any podcast uh, app, I mean, that's Apple, Spotify, make sure to follow, leave a review on Apple. You can scroll to the very bottom. And on Spotify, you can just tap any of the stars button on the Spotify app and it will prompt you uh, to leave a review on Apple. On Spotify, it's pretty straightforward. And on YouTube, if you're watching this, please don't forget to subscribe. I really appreciate it. Again, check out the links in the description and in the show notes if you are the to nomad and just want to check out some of the tools that I use in traveling cheaply, efficiently, and affordably. I greatly appreciate it. Again, my name is Danielle and this is another episode of the Nomad Entrepreneur Podcast on YouTube and Spotify and Apple everywhere. I appreciate you listening and tuning in today and I will talk to you in the next one. Take care now. Bye.